the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Joe, friend of K-Praise listeners and host of Throughout All Ages Ministry, has left this earth to be with the Lord. May God bless his soul as he ascends to heaven with the Lord. In honor, we're playing a past episode of On the Road with Jesus, where Rody interviews Joe. Here's part one of the interview. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Good morning and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher, and I'll be your host today. And we're coming to you live from Hope Radio here in Corona, California. I'll be up front with you. We're still at that conference. So we'll be showing this as a tape-delayed show from Corona, California. And I also want to give thanks to um, Clint Gonzalez for that wonderful lead-in song. And let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you for today. We praise you for bringing us here today to hear what you would want us to speak on. Father, I pray for open ears to hear, and I pray that you would let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. Lord, be with Tony as he's running the camera and Mike as he's giving us direction and Joe um, as he gives his testimony and shares his heart out. And as for me, I pray that you would lead me as well. So we give this day to you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, as you recall, we're going to be in Psalm 29, and let me read it from the New King James. And I'd like to get right to our speaker, so I might not be making too much commentary on on the um, the psalm, but it is another psalm written by David. David has written over 70 psalms, as I've said before, and this is another one of his psalms. It's a praise to God. So, a psalm of David, give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength, give unto the Lord glory due to his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides flames of water. I'm sorry. The voice of the Lord divides flames of water, fire. 
The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord shakes wilderness of the of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. The stripes the forest bear. And his temple, everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give his strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Yes, we're called to peace, everyone. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would give us understanding of your word. I would love to introduce my speaker today, my guest speaker today. Um, his name is Joe, and let me get this straight. Guyon, no, Guyona. Yes. Guyona. Yes. Is it Guyona or Gayona? It's Gaona. Gaona. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, I no, messed that's that up. Good, that's good. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Now, I understand that you have a ministry going on here, but first I'd like to get you um, to share a little bit about your background for the people that, you know, don't know you. Yeah. What I'd like for you to share is, you know, where you were born, the house that you grew up in, maybe how many sisters and brothers you have. Did you go to church at all? Um were you in a Christian family? Um, start from there. All right. So, yeah, um, being raised up, uh, I remember being born in Fresno area, but quickly, around two years old, we went to Ontario here in Southern California. And then uh, by the time I was, my parents, or especially my mom's side, practice, uh, they were Catholics, they are they, they, were, they didn't really practice it, but they believed they were Catholics. But um, as we grew up, they eventually, I was about 10 or 12 years old, we moved to San Francisco area. And it's there that they um, they got into a group called Seven-Day Adventists. Mm-hmm. So we learned to be very legalistic. We would all stop playing on Friday at sundown. And we would just do anything they had to do with God. And uh, come Saturday, when the sun went down again, we were off playing. But uh, it was very strict, uh, what we ate, what we drank. And uh, so we grew up knowing about legalistic system. Though we didn't think about it much, we just kind of lived that style. Um, And so I had five, uh, we had five kids all together. I was the youngest of them all, Uh, three you know, three boys and two girls. So it was a, quite a big family. I was being dragged around everywhere. Had to grow up fast. Um, so we were raised up in a private school. So we always had religion wherever we were growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can see that when I'm in between my sixth and seventh uh, summer, that I started to lose track of anything about the things of God. And by eighth grade, ninth grade, I was already getting into trouble. And uh, I really didn't even think I, well, let let me backtrack here. You know, sixth grade or fifth grade even, I did get baptized. I got baptized, you know, I I said the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so here we come in eighth grade, and now I'm getting into more trouble. Okay, I'd like to stop you just for a second. Would you tell me... um... You said you got baptized. What church was that you got baptized at? Not the exact church, but what 
What background was that? Was yeah. it in the Catholic Church no. or in the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Right. It, it was the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yeah. Okay. So is there an acceptance of Jesus as your Savior with that religion? I don't know very much about yes. it. Yes. It's basically the same as Protestant. You know, you, you identify that you don't go to any classes or anything. You just identify that you want Jesus in your heart, you know, as a 12, as a 10-year-old or 9-year-old and you want Jesus in your heart and, and you confess that. And then they, you know, they dunk you in water. And, and of course, you know, we'd have once a month, we'd wash our feet. So you'd take a partner with you and you'd go into a area where they would, you would, you would wash their, each other's feet. Yeah. You would take the socks off. You had a bowl of water and you would wash each other. So you, you had all these uh, um, sacraments going on that you would do. But no, you didn't. You just had to confess that Jesus Christ was Lord. And then uh, from there, you just went on. So I don't remember. I I don't remember anything of value about it, but that I just did it because that was part of what I was living at the time. So I didn't have no recognition of thinking Jesus was this Lord that I was going to follow the captain of my ship or something or that he even died for me. Those things weren't there. It was just that I was confessing him as my Lord. And I was going to church and I just grew up a lot in a different in church. And so, um, you know, even, you know, if I backtrack before that, it's kind of funny because being being raised with uh, my mom, she would have these little crosses all over the windows and stuff. And and she would got into some traditions of even from um, the Mex Mexican traditions where she would have an egg and she would be praying over me, seeing a Hail Mary full of grace. But it would be a, 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 a an egg that she'd be praying crosses over us. We thought it was just something cute growing up. But come to find out, these were some of the traditions in Mexico that they would have that she took And part of the Catholic Church? Yes. yes okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, is there a time that you get serious about Christ and, and really start to follow him? Right. So what happens is... Uh, I really, you know, about 14 years old, I asked Jesus Christ into my life again. So I was in a youth group. I was now going to an evangelical church, and I asked Jesus Christ into my life for about a year. It seemed like I was walking the straight and narrow. And then um, all of a sudden, I find myself taking a step towards sin, getting into drugs, getting into drinking, getting into women, uh, girls at the time. And... Um, I found myself just after, you know, nine or 10 months, just completely away from the things of God. So the time I was 18, I knew I didn't have the Lord as my savior. I knew I wasn't saved. You were, you weren't walking with him. Yeah. Right. He might've been watching over you, but you weren't walking with him. That's right. You weren't a follower of Jesus. So there, there comes a time that you do get serious about it? Yeah. So by the time I was, so I had my first, I had a, my son when I was uh, 18 years old. So I got his, uh, we had his, his mom was 17 at the time. We stayed together for about a year and a half and then uh, we split up. But um, it was during that time, I kind of waved my fist at God. And so here I am getting, you know, I, I gave my life to God at 16 again, but at 18, I find myself because he didn't answer some prayers. And uh, actually, they were hard prayers. I, I wanted my son to live with me and I was fighting for him. 
to live with me. And, uh, and uh, it, we went to court and they didn't give me him. And I thought, well, God, you know, I thought you're going to give me whatever I wanted as long as, you know, here I am the Christian now. And, and his mom uh, is doing things that aren't right, considered right. And so you should have gave him to me. I don't understand that. And so I, I kind of waved my, I, not kind of, I did. I waved my face fist at him and said I would never do it again at 18 years old. I would never come to Christ again. And I would, from there, I was on to the races. Harder than ever, I went out even harder uh, to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, so, so now you're backslidden. Yeah. I'll just use that term. And and you're you're angry at God because he didn't answer your prayers. I know we sometimes think of God as Santa Claus, right? You know, we give him the wish list and right. then we expect that we're going to get to open those presents. But it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen because his ways are not necessarily our ways. But I do think that if you made a commitment to Christ, that commitment, even though you might be in a backslidden situation, unless you never knew him, he's still with you. You might have given up on him, but he hasn't given up on you. So when do you realize that he hasn't given up on you? Right. So, you know, I mean, if I look back, 20 years from uh, 20 years ago when I got saved at 24 and then 25 and I start to learn what the Bible talked about salvation I realized I wasn't repenting at that time at 18 16 17 18 all the way up to 24 because um, that's when I really took hold of the plow asked Jesus Christ as Lord but the difference there is that now that I look back I realized that I was practicing sin I wasn't asking for forgiveness so I don't, I, though I believe God was hounding me, I don't believe I was saved at that point. Some people do say. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Some people will say, you know, there are those who will say, well, maybe you were just backslidden. And I say, no, as, if I'm practicing sin, don't be deceived, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, mm-hmm. uh, that if you're practicing these, these sinful things, uh, don't be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. And so I wasn't even repenting of anything that I was doing. What was neat about this, though, is that 24 years old, um, I usually stayed up till two or three in the morning, go to work at six, come back home, drinking during the day, at least two or three beers. And so that was just what I was doing, even going harder towards sin. Uh, I came home one day, a cigarette in my hand, and I'm walking through the kitchen. And I remember, and this is where I get saved. I remember just throwing my last cigarette, not knowing it was going to be my last cigarette, so I, you know, I've pretty much been doing drugs since I was 14 years old, drinking really? and doing drugs, uh, mostly in it. Then once in a while stopped when I thought I got saved. 24 years old, um, I'm walking through my kitchen and I just remember going to my knees and I remember it was a split three seconds that I go to my knees and I say, Lord, I need you. And I stood back up and you got to see that it just happened in three seconds. I'm very quickly, I get up and I'm looking around and everything seems peaceful. I don't really know what went on at that point, but I go to sleep at about 10 o'clock that night for the first time in about five years. I wake up in the morning, go to church. I'm going to work for the whole day, come back home. And as I'm getting back home, it dawns on me. I didn't have a beer today. I haven't smoked any cigarettes. And it dawned on me that I don't feel like doing anything. I don't even feel like doing drugs at this point. 
And I grab my Bible that was pretty dusty at the time as I get back into the house. And I start to read and I sat there for six hours and I just read and read and I was just eating up the Bible. Yeah. And that, that happened for the next, I mean, that went on ever since that point on. But what happened that day is, is that he took everything away, everything that I have ever, ever sinned in all my lust, all my drugs and alcohol, that hour, that three seconds, whatever happened, he had took it all away. Of course, I put my hands to the plow and never looked back. And I said, no, I'm not going back there. And I just kept, you know, I was going to inside. I I had to find any Bible study I could find seven days a week, just going into Bible studies and stuff. But to me, it was neat because the first two times I saw Joel wanting to get saved and didn't never come to pass. 24, I find sovereignly God just takes me to my knees and I just say, I need you. And it just changed my life completely. And the transforming, like the, the, the man on the cross, the thief on the cross, you wouldn't know by my words that something took place within my life inside that I was a changed man. You know? Yeah, but God sees your heart. And God saw the heart of the man on the cross next to him. I, Jesus didn't stop and say, well, wait a minute. Before you take your last breath, we need to get you to say the sinner's prayer. Right. Right. He knows, he sees the heart change, yeah. and he sees the heart change with you the second you went down to your knees. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. What a tremendous God we serve. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Now, now that you're walking with the Lord, now, are you married at this time? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so you're walking with the Lord. You're going to every Bible study you can find within a radius right. of a mile or whatever it is. And you're uh, you're on it. You're all in. Right. And so do you begin to want to serve him? Do you start looking for ministries that that you think he's calling you to? Yeah, I actually went to church. I'm going to all these Bible studies asking, what do you need help on? What do you need me to do? I'm studying six, seven hours a day. My whole paycheck, I'm going back then. We didn't have computers so i took my whole you know thousand dollars and and went to the bookstore and sat there and just bought books after commentaries after commentaries and and that was pretty much my life um and then i did i got into you know someone finally said hey can you i can't make it to my bible study can you teach this day and and i thought wow that must be from god so you know of course i'm diving into the scriptures even harder and uh you know of course back then i thought i knew everything but the the more you get into christ you realize i I didn't really know nothing but it was something that i just wanted to run after the things of god but uh, he took hold of that and i found myself in every in the next 15 years i went from you know from just throwing down tables throwing down chairs being a, a, a elementary director at the church to being a worship leader to being an associate pastor. So I went through everything in church because this was my home now. Church yes. has been my home. So we did that for about 15 years. And then I met Stacy, my wife, met her at church, waited seven years. We made sure we had a relationship. I was very panicked about my first situation when I was 18 years old. So I got to know her real good. And about seven years went by and we finally got married. And so we've been married for now 25 years. Our kids are growing up. We have uh, three kids. And so wow. uh, two that are from her and then one from my son when, when, he was, when I was younger. 
But um, it wasn't but 15 years ago. Um, it was on a Sunday, and I remember it so well that God says, Joe, when are you going to get outside the church? And I thought, I didn't even understand that because all my whole life was based on the church. I did everything in the church. And when he said, when are you going to get out of the church? You're so complacent. I thought, what does that mean? I mean, they have events. They have things coming to the church. I participate. I do what I got to do. I realized at that point that God wants me to go witness outside the church to strangers that I don't know. Here yeah. I am comfortable where I'm at. I pictured it now as these walls, this castle that I was used to being into. And now God is saying, open that castle door and go out there to the strangers abroad. And I'm going, no, I think I'm doing it in here. He goes, no, I don't want you in here. Yeah, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing, but I need you outside. So that Monday morning, I got in my car. I drove into a parking lot, a Vaughn's parking lot. I said, I'm going to go talk to two people about the things of God. I've never done that before. I mean, people were in line maybe, you know, six times out of the year. And I talked to them, hey, where do you go to church? What are you doing? But to actually sit there and say, I'm going to actually give you the gospel message. I've never done that to strangers. So here I am parking my car and I'm walking and I feel like this lion walking through. Because I thought I knew a lot now. Because, you know, I've already been associate pastor. I've been a director of the kids, the youth department. And and so I thought I, and I've been studying a lot. I was into apologetics, but not a whole lot. But I'm still into just confirming God's word, putting sword on sword and trying to figure it out. So I get out there, and for the first time as I'm walking, I'm looking for someone that I can talk to. The first two guys I come up to were stout atheists. I've never talked to a stout atheist in those 15 years Whoa. as a Christian. I talked to people who were atheists or skeptics who came to the church, and by that meaning, they, they didn't mind having a conversation. But when they begin to ask me these scientific questions, and I didn't have no answer how to get to a justifiable answer. I can tell them what I believe. I can tell them my God, but I see it, it just hit a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, and I went home defeated. I mean, I thought I'm never coming out here again. This is, this was, this was the worst. This yeah. was the worst I've ever felt. And I'm talking to anyone in the, in the 15 years of ministry, meeting these two stout uh, atheists who had answers for what they believed in. And I didn't know how to justify my Christian answer. Um, I went, I just went down and out that night and I woke up in the morning. I said, Oh, I better go out there again. So I got up there and I went back out there again. Someone asked a few questions. I went back home, studied those questions. And every question that someone asked me, I started wanting to know the answer to that question. So lo and behold, you know, the years are going by now. And I got, you know, we have in San Diego, this is where I'm from. This is where I, I've been for the last 20 years. So San Diego County, they have seven uh, malls there. I learned how to get into the malls. And, and we, you know, six or seven hours a week, we'd be in the malls. And uh, we'd just be given the gospel message. So when you say we go into the malls, yeah. who, is it a team of you from church or yeah. family members? Or how is this working? So first it started out. I was going, my wife says, well, I'm going to go with you. <laughs> so from that point on, it was interesting because she's always been a part of my ministries. And somehow, you know how the wife's always part of it. Well, you know, I've met a lot of men going out and giving the gospel message out in the street. And a lot of them don't have their wives with them. 
she always wanted to be a part of it. And so she always came. And so it was first just me and her. And it was so hard to figure out how to find the fish out there because mm -hmm. I was, I was used to saying, Lord, bring someone to me. Right. And I found out it's no, if you're going to go fishing, you go look for a place where the best, you don't go where the worst fish are. You're going to go where the good fish are at, mm -hmm. right? Where there's pl plenty of bites. So I begin to find those areas and the malls was one of them. And I found out I can get into the malls. So then, then me and my wife, pretty soon we had three or four, then five or six, then eight or nine. And we had just had a group of people that would go out all the time during the week. And I knew every part of San Diego where we can go and, um, and talk to the people. And, and then I hooked up with uh, living waters as a captain of their team. Really? Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you, you're talking about the Bible, the Living Waters that they hand out, or the the church. The, I'm talking about a Ray Comfort with Ray, Living Ray Waters. Comfort. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I ended up hooking up with Living Waters with Ray Comfort. Uh, of course, they do the good person test, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, we ended up being getting very close to them. So the next 15 years, I found myself. By the end of this 15 years, I found myself walking into college campuses and just walking and saying. I'm walking, there's people, kids, students walking, and I say, hey, I believe God, I believe Christianity is intellectual. I believe we have good answers. What do you believe in? And as soon as you ask that question, I realized they want to talk about it. It would be me or one or two guys. Sometimes it would be me and 15, 20 guys, and we'd all just on the college campuses talking about the things of God. And I realized. So you graduate from the mall, and you, you yourself are going into the college colleges. Campuses, yeah. Yeah. And we'd go Cal all State. over the streets. Anytime the streets, you know, we knew uh, in San Diego, it's quite busy. We couldn't even get out of San Diego. There was so much going on. They would have tent blocks open every weekend where they block off the city in every city and people would go out there. And so me and my wife and a few others, every weekend we went out there and we'd just give the gospel message to them. And so um, it was something that we, uh, you know, you meet a lot of, you meet a lot. That's where we learned that the youth today didn't have justifiable answers. And every time I tried to talk to the youth, that means the high school student, the parent always wanted to answer for him. Oh, yeah, he saved. Oh, yeah, he believes in this and that. And I said, well, hold it. let's ask him and see what he believes, you know. And I, I began to see that the parent didn't want to let the student answer the question. Interesting. Yeah. And so that happened quite a bit. So we met everyone from seventh grade to college to older men. I mean, we met everything on the face of the earth that you could meet in those 15 years. So at this point, this is where we're getting now into our ministry. That was the end of part one. Tune in next week for the continuation of this On the Road with Jesus program. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at on the R-H-O-D-E with Jesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. 
That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 